Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Is Dana Holgerson's last stand coming against his former team? Also, Chris Level joins the show to talk about the Texas Tech Red Raiders, who might be becoming the most dangerous team in the Big 12 Conference. We'll have that coming up later on the show. This is the Neighborhood Watch. I am your host, Josh Neighbors, the best place for five-plus days a week of Big 12 content. It's right here. Crystal Ball College Football, the Neighborhood Watch, 365 Sports. Make sure you guys like the video, subscribe to the channel as well. We cover the Big 12. We cover conference realignment. We've got game picks. We've got interviews. We've got best bets. We've got reaction shows. We have all of those things on this channel. Find us wherever you get your podcasts on YouTube. Uh, and also, if you guys find us elsewhere, make sure you give it five stars. All right, folks. So this West Virginia and Houston game comes on a Thursday night. It is four and one West Virginia at two and three Houston. West Virginia is two and zero oh in the Big Twelve. Houston is two and three overall, zero oh and two in the Big Twelve. West Virginia is a two and a half point favorite. So this game is interesting for a bunch of reasons. Number one, both these teams come off a bye week. Uh, number two, it is Dana Holgerson. Go, I mean, this is like number one reason. But I'm just kind of listing the reasons off here. Number two, West Virginia's awesome start. Number three, Dana Holgerson used to coach West Virginia, right? Number four, Dana Holgerson might get fired soon, right? And this is number five. These were two coaches that were on the hottest seats. And I told you all, coming into 2023, I had said that Neil Brown's seat was so, was cold because it, it needed to get hot again. He needed to start winning to, to even get us to consider it being hot. And I think he's done more than enough with that four and one start considering the injuries and whatnot. Like, and, and even now they're banged up still in the back end, but the way his team is looking, the identity that they have, he's doing all the things that we asked for, right? The recruiting is good. They have an identity and they're winning games, right? And they beat Virginia Tech's the world before they beat Pitt this year, obviously, which is important. They lost uh, by a good margin Penn State game, but it was not an effort that you would consider to be poor, right? So those regional rivals, they are performing either well uh, against in defeat or they're winning the game. And last year, the Pitt game, you know, you can't even put that on Neil Brown, right? So 
you know, he's he's in a good spot right now with the way things are going, especially when you consider the financial situation at West Virginia not being very good. Uh, then you flip it around to Dana Holgerson's side of things. And look, they have their performance has not been very good. You're wondering how much grace does that administration give Dana Holgerson now that he is, you know, he's been there for a while and think about the the seasons that they've had. I mean, they had the one uh was it 12 win season that they had in the past. And then past that, it's not like it's been awesome for him at Houston. You'll remember Houston has spoken about, you know, what their expectations are for him, four and eight, three and five in the COVID year, 12 and two, and then eight and five last year. And this is not a, you know, this is not looking excellent. Now I know once again, it's ladder success for him, but this roster is not very good. The defense has been pretty poor and the focus has not been great. That UTS game, UTSA game is a great win. The Rice game is a loss of focus, in my opinion. The TCU loss was not close. The Sam Houston win was easy. They should beat Sam Houston. The Texas Tech loss was competitive, and then they just like completely fell off a cliff in the second half of that game. So I think Daniel Holgerson's seat is hot. Uh, I know he's been good as of late. The last two seasons have been strong. I know they want to keep the Big 12. You know, Coach has been in the Big 12 conference, but – I think they can do better than Dana Holgerson. I, I think they can do better than what Dana Holgerson's been doing, right? Like, I think prime Dana, Dana at his best, is really good and a good fit there. But Dana at the level that he is currently performing, in my opinion, is just not good enough. And I think Houston can do better. I think there are younger coaches. I think there are coaches that can recruit well in Texas. I think there are coaches like G.J. Kinney. I think there are coaches like Jeff Trailer, uh, you know, who could obviously help out. I know those are hot names, but Houston has the cash to go and get a G.J. Kenny, It's just a fact. So I think that's why it's super interesting. Obviously, West Virginia has a chance to really put them behind the eight ball because, like, what's a fireable season for Dana Holgerson and company? I think four and eight is. Um, I don't know if five and seven. I mean, it's five and seven point. I guess you're splitting hairs at this point. But, like, four and eight is, like, you weren't really that close to winning to go into a bowl game, right? Double overtime against Rice. Say, hey, you flip that result, but like you were down four scores. So I'm not going to give you too much of a pass. Um, they've got West Virginia and Texas now back to back. This thing could be two and five before they add K State at Baylor. Who knows they could win that one? Cincinnati at home, Oklahoma State at home at UCF. So things do lighten up there towards the end. But what is the situation of this team going to be at that point in time? Right. And uh, they've got some serious questions. So a win here, they've got some momentum. Heading into uh, the Texas game, obviously, and they have nine days off as well. So basically, like a buy and a half, right, or half a buy in that spot, they would have, right. So that that'd be big for them. But I have to say, guys, like this is just a, this has not been, uh, you know, I think the it's not gone the way Dana had wanted to at least recently, and they're zero two in the Big Twelve so far, and and so you go and you look at the uh, the recruiting for them. You go 24-7 sports and you check out how well they're doing recruiting. This is not like a team that is firing on all cylinders when you look at 2024's class for the Big 12. They're 15th uh, right now in the league in terms of recruiting. Now, they get a lot of transfers there at schools like Houston have that advantage. They're much like UCF. There's a lot of talent that is from the greater Houston area, a lot of talent that's from the state of Texas, a lot of guys that might want to come home and have opportunities to play from SEC schools, Guys that want, you know, guys like Donovan Smith, even, you know, from big other Big 12 schools that want chances to play that they can get. But you're seeing it like they need more guys. They need their McCaskills back. They need Tank Dells 
need more guys like that. This group does not seem to have many guys like that on the team right now, even though I think their defense didn't beef up a little bit more, but like the results have not been very good, right? 43 from Rice, 36 from TCU, 49 from Texas Tech. And so uh, I have to think, man, Dana Holgerson, you know, you, you need to start putting some results in, right? Like, I think you need to go to a bowl game. I think at least you want to feel safe about your job. You need to go to a bowl game this year. And so West Virginia kind of has a, a chance. It'd be weird to see him win that blow. And look, it wasn't all Dana's fault. Like that was a weird, that was a weird breakup, right? And no extension for him. Obviously it didn't end like perfectly, you know, didn't end perfectly, didn't end well between the two parties. Rosters kind of depleted. The cover was bare, cupboard was bare when he left. And so there's so much intrigue from that standpoint. West Virginia dealing with some injuries in the back end. That's big, obviously. Uh, they're going to be without Remick on the offensive line. Uh, undisclosed injuries out. You know, they lost Latham for the season. Burks and Cobb are both out. Uh, you know, I know Burks out indefinitely. And then Cobb obviously is out for the year as well, too. Uh, we knew that at the end of September. So, like, this is a unit that's hurting a little bit. But the thing is, with their kind of brash you know, forceful style like this, this buy came at the right time for them because they're halfway now. The back run might be difficult for them, but they're also going to kind of get that half buy as well too, right? So you get the buy week, short week here, but you have the buy. And then also you get the longer week, right? You get the extra day, Friday, you're off on Saturday, right? And then you get into a normal week. So you actually do a couple extra days off. So that could kind of what the, uh, be what this West Virginia team needs. In terms of the matchup, in terms of the matchup, um, look, West Virginia is very effective at limiting the number of possessions in a game when they can get the run game going. Houston has not been effective stopping the run this year. That is one thing they have not done very well. Texas Tech was able to run the football effectively against the Houston Cougars. West Virginia obviously is an effective running team uh, in general. Uh, we know that you know, that's an that's a area where they do really well. Uh, TCU ran the ball five yards a carry against Houston as well. So this is not a this is not a uh, Houston defense that has done a good job stopping the run outside of the first two opponents they played. That's a good UTSA team, sure, yes. Also, they weren't like that great. I think what UTSA ran they ran for over. I remember it was over like two hundred yards in that game, right? Uh, so I mean, you know, they had a pretty good rushing attack in that contest. The passing defense for Houston was really stepped up in that game. So West Virginia knows they have the advantage. You can get Garrett Green and Donaldson going. I mean, I think we know what kind of game this is going to be. And, uh, you know, I think at least from their perspective. Now, the one thing is I know the Houston players have heard about Dana and whatnot. Dana had some nice things to say about West Virginia, obviously, in the, in the build up to it. You know, he wants this one pretty badly. Let's see how his players respond because I'm always curious about how Dana Holgerson teams look because they don't always look like they are the most focused and dialed in groups in the entire world. So how focused are they going to be playing for their coach against his former team? That is obviously a big question that I want to, uh, you know, that I want to have answered in this game. Um, but I think yeah, the, the strategy here is pretty key. And then in the passing category, can Houston's passing offense, which ranks third in the league in terms of, you know, yards per game, uh, will this take advantage of what has been a banged up West now a banged up West Virginia secondary? They're fifth in passing defense efficiency, uh, and Houston's actually eighth in in passing defense efficiency. Or excuse me, passing offense 
efficiency. Their passing offense in total is third. Now they've been behind in some games and that's why they've been throwing the ball as much as they have. So it's also Dana Holgerson offense too. You have to account for that. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I trust West Virginia defense, even though it's a banged up passing defense against the Houston offense more than I trust the Houston defense against the West Virginia offense. So I'll go, I'll lean uh, West Virginia in this game, but it's one of those like where you really don't know. And I feel like, Hey, if Daniel Holgerson kind of like needs a result, he can typically get one. Um, and so I think that, that that's obviously a big spot as well too, but a lot of intrigue for a Thursday night game in the big 12 between a two and three team and West Virginia, who we did not think would be very good this year. So this game is shaping up much differently, at least for one team that, that we thought that it would. All right, guys, let's talk with Chris level, our guy from, uh, from uh, red Raider sports also on the sidelines for the football team on the radio and also color commentator for basketball. He joins the show to discuss, Hey, are those Texas tech red Raiders uh, football becoming one of the more dangerous teams in the big 12? Hope you guys enjoy that. Nobody covers Texas tech like Chris level. So he is here once again to help us break down this season, Texas tech football, uh, maybe becoming one of the more dangerous teams in the big 12. We'll break that down today here on the neighborhood watch. I am Josh neighbors, your host, Part of Crystal Ball College Football here on the 365 Sports Network. So, Chris, bad start to the season. <laughs> yeah, uh, understatement. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I think, you know, disappointing. I, I think uh, that Baylor game last week was obviously huge. I think it's where we have to start. Because I think there's a whole lot to get into with that. But big result in a rivalry game, number one, that they got hammered in last year at home. And th they really flipped the script. I mean, it, it was... You know, if you put, you know, it's it's like, you know, Baylor last year was was tech this year. I mean, it was it was mirror performances, essentially. Uh, you know, your thoughts of being there and you know, on the sidelines and, and seeing the way tech took care of business in that game. Yeah, I mean, it's it, uh, it, it kind of had built up to uh, a really an important game for really, I think, both programs, because both programs were thought to be. I think Tech got a lot more mention uh, than Baylor did before the season starts, but I think people were kind of confused on, is this Baylor team the team that won the Big 12 a couple years ago and was like started off really hot and then the wheels fell off, or you know, or is it closer to the wheels fell off team like coming into the year? And then I think Tech, you know, there was a lot of outside, you know, hey, man, they're an outside shot to win the league title or playoff or whatever, and, <clears throat> and then and you both kind of, just just stumble a bit. Although I think like Tech's start to the season, which is what made this game so important, was that it's not that they had played terrible or had been blown out. It's that you were just right there and you couldn't you couldn't get the result. Um and that's probably led to more frustration that than than anything. Whereas mm -hmm. if you'd gotten blown out, you're like, okay, I get it. We just weren't good enough. They they were better than we were. All those things. And Wyoming's pretty good, and we know Oregon is really good. Uh, West Virginia, I don't I don't know yet. Uh, I, I I know Neil very right. well, and I'm I think that they've been a great story. I'll I'll see if we'll see if they can kind of keep it going. But yeah, so a lot pointed to this game in in Waco, Josh, uh, just because I think. I think the way we were kind of talking about it internally amongst the the broadcast crew and just some of the things that I do uh, last week was I think winner of this game, you, you get to a bowl game and you still are kind of in it on being relevant in the conference race to a certain extent, whereas the loser is just kind of out. 
Right. Um, and it's going to be very difficult to be a uh, be, be a, in, in a bowl game with the uphill struggle that you would have. But th- you're right; it, it was a total. The, the the script was flipped from last year in Lubbock. Um, you got beat up up front, uh, I think, last year in that game, and you did you you dished it out on both sides of the ball uh, up front in this game Saturday night, and. I think Baylor, I don't know where they go from here, but boy, I, I saw a lot of if I was a Baylor fan, I'd be I'd be concerned. Uh, because I think Tech just and Tech didn't, you know, the couple of turnovers there that are uncharacteristic. Tosh Brooks has never fumbled before that we could we could right. look up. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and so and then and then Barron has got, you know, he still lacks some arm strength from getting dinged up in Morgantown. He floats a, a long passed on the sideline that was just way underthrown. And, and so, and, and Baylor just couldn't do a whole lot with it. Uh, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see where they go from here, but yeah, we can get into that game as much as you want. Cause it was uh, it was a trenches game for Texas tech right. and they won it. Well, cause my frustration was this and, and you see this on a week to week basis is that when you play the style that the Texas tech does with the offense, like it happened to Wyoming game. You can, you can give up a lead as fast as you take it. Just because if you're going to go pace and you're going to throw the ball that much, you are always a couple, a few incompletions away from like a 60 second drive and then giving the ball back. And then it puts more pressure on your offense the next time they're out if you give up a score. And, you know, I, I kind of look at the drive times. It's, you know, I, I like to see, and they had, they were extending drives. They were running the foot. I mean, the way they ran Taj Brooks is the big story out of this game. And obviously if Morton's dinged up too, we talked about, yeah, he, you know, takes that hit in Morgantown still not a hundred percent with the, with the arm. Then you're, you know, you need to find a way to run the football. And honestly, I, I've, I've been critical of how much they had quarterbacks running it. They don't want to put another quarterback in harm's way. They needed to be able to control the clock a bit more and run the ball more effectively. And I, I think this was kind of what you wanted to see from Tech's offense, like a just, it was a 31 carries for Taj, and it wasn't like it was a massive, explosive effort the entire evening. It was a consistent effort. Uh, you know, 31 for 170 is not some bonkers band of game. It's five and a half a carry. The longest was 24 yards. This was the kind of rushing effort. They don't need it every game, but they need to be able to run the football more, I think, to help with kind of just the swings of momentum in the game to help kind of manage things like time of possession and how long your defense is in the field and, and, you know, scoring, uh, you know, droughts and things like that. Yeah. Their offense is changing. Uh, I think that they, I think they're kind of, of, of morphed uh, a little bit into, I don't want to say ball control, but more, more running heavy uh, because this is what's working. Um, I think they were kind of, you know, you know, just that the passing game just hasn't clicked as well as they would hope. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I think early on in the year, I think the O-line had a lot to do with that. Um, and that's why they went to the QB run game a lot, especially against Oregon, because it worked. Um, you know, Tyler Shuck had over 100 right. yards. and But, you know, I, I think uh, I think they're kind of, you know, Zach Kittley's kind of morphed a bit. You know, he, uh, he went to – Taj Brooks, I think more last week versus Houston and then versus Baylor. But this is a a hundred yard rusher in the last four games, which hadn't happened around here uh, a lot. And I think that he's kind of, you know, become somewhat of an identity for you. Now, the scary thing is, is that, well, you're leaning on him. I don't want to say like, you know, it's all on him or anything like that because you're still, because what we're seeing is that 
this is now setting up a lot of these throws. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's I, I think around here they used to to throw to set up the run, and heck, they they used to throw to set up the throw. I mean, this, right. the, that, right. that, that that I mean, Mike Mike kind of you know set that in motion years and years ago. Coach right. Leach did, but but now it's it, it's pretty clear, and you got Baylor on a play action with the one of the tight end plays. But I think that's what you're, you're starting to see more and more of is if you can establish the run game a little bit. Now it starts to open up some of the, the, the these. Uh, these throws to some of these wideouts, which it's just been weird that it hasn't really clicked like you would have thought, or hasn't been as easy, maybe I guess as you would have uh, hoped for. But it's a valid point on the tempo too, and I think they've kind of slowed it down. They've been methodical a bit at times, but when they get you, when they get that first down, it's like okay, here we go, we're off to the races, and then they try to because I think teams struggle with it still. And Baylor uh, coach Randy even admitted after the game is like, we, we've got to get better there. They're just really fast, and we we didn't we didn't handle it very well. And then for them on defense, the pass rush, I mean, they were looking at part of like Shapin does, he can hold the ball a bit sometimes, but uh, they were getting after, I think six sacks, 11 tackles for loss, what they end up having. And, you know, the one thing about Texas Tech being a contender and that we've talked about with contenders in this league is TCU's defense last year was not excellent, but they were, they really did a good job making adjustments as a game went along and they'd force, they forced a decent amount of turnovers as well, which helped a lot. K-State's defense was really good, too, right? They, they're good at all three levels. You go back the two previous, you know, the previous season, Baylor's defense was awesome, as was Oklahoma State's. And so as much offense as people talk about in this league, like it is those good defenses yep. that do stand out. And I think last week, you know, Oklahoma's defense, as much as Texas moved the ball on them, you know, we were wondering, is this thing real? That was real. Like that, what, that performance was real. And they, uh, you know, they made enough plays to keep them in a game and give the offense a chance to win. That's that's what Texas Tech's defense is starting to look like. The second half of the Houston game was really good. The entire Baylor game was really good. I think, you know, you get a hobbled K-State team this week, so we'll see. But in the West Virginia game, too, but I don't think that offense is very good. So they're starting, it seems like, to turn the corner just a touch on defense. And that was my question. Yeah, there's a lot of talk about them contending, but my, you know, it was always for me like, all right, well, how good is the defense? I don't think they can go to a Big 12 title game, 49-46, you know, 38-35. Not sure they could get their way with that to a Big 12 title game. But this defense is starting to round in the form in a way that, you know, looks looks like a top-half team should, a top-five team in the Big 12 should. Yeah, what's funny, you mentioned the second-half adjustments. And, you know, it's funny because I, I host Joey's show every week, and we talk about that. People, people have asked similar things like, man, Coach, what, what are you doing at halftime? How, how are you getting it? you know, flipped and, and all of a sudden he's mm-hmm. like, we told him to tackle better. You know I mean? It, so, so <laughs> right. cause, cause Tim, you know, they, they adjust as the game goes along. Coach DeRuiter does, but, but funny you say that about the second half, because you've only given up seven points in the third quarter all season long. And I think that for whatever reason, they settle down and, and they kind of feel like, well, okay, this is what kind of game it's going to be. And they started and they start getting it figured out and, and they've been able to really kind of, uh, pitch close to shutouts in the third quarter, which either holds a lead or allows you to get back in the game if you're behind, whatever. Uh, but I think it's that pass rush and those pressure plays that are starting to happen more and more. Against Oregon, against Wyoming, against uh, West Virginia, you're, you're you're there, but you're not making the play. Or it's just almost there, and you're almost getting home, or you can't quite 
you know, do do something, uh, you know, on on the edge or whatever. And now, you know, against Houston and and certainly against Baylor, you're starting to get home a little bit, and you're starting to, you know, that pocket is starting to collapse. And and I and I thought, I mean, Baylor ran the ball all over you last year. Richard Reese specifically, mm-hmm. they had 17 yards rushing uh, against you. Yeah. So, and again, is this because the Baylor offensive line is bad? Probably some of that. I, I'm I'm fully willing to admit that. But I think but you made them look bad. Right, they're bad. You made them look, you know, as maybe even worse than they actually are. Yeah, and and I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, improvement as we've gone along here in these weeks with some of these guys up front for Texas Tech, and then you have, you know, just the Jalen Hutchings, Tony Bradfords that are just steady, and they they just are there every week. But it's these newcomers, you know, like the Miles Coles and the Lintons and guys like that, that are like, okay, they're starting to get better and better as the weeks go along. And if that improvement continues, you're going to be a handful to deal with the rest of the way, but it needs to continue. Uh, if you're going to have a chance, because to your point, you got to create some takeaways in this league. You got to, you got to affect the quarterback. You just can't, you can't expect to pitch shutouts and things like that. Uh, but uh, you know, so far in the third quarter, they've been pretty close. Yeah. They've been they've been fantastic, and, and uh, I would say too, like think about this K State game this week. You know, it's it's a huge game because both these teams had mm-hmm. some some considerable ideas of what their seasons would look like, and it's early on, and they both have one loss in conference. It's not to say they can't turn this thing around, obviously, but K State's banged up in the back end. Uh, you know that they've they've had some issues, obviously injury issues, and, and Deuce Green out for the year too, and Will Howard hasn't always been a hundred percent. I mean. It feels like they've got a K-State team kind of questioning themselves coming in this week. And uh, I know they're a slight favorite. Chris Kleiman's a really good coach, so you think they're going to kind of get their best. But Texas Tech's defense is feeling pretty good. That's where I'm interested. I actually think this game is going to be won there with this Tech defense against the K-State offense because if they can look at the tape last week, see what Oklahoma State was able to do. Will Howard's gotten really good, but we saw a whole lot of old Will Howard uh, uh last week and 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 also too man like i mean those receivers are not getting the separation that we saw last year it does not feel like those guys are getting open as much and he's trying to force balls in tight windows and it's not going well tech's got a chance this week i think and to me that, that's what the big matchup is I, I think it's tech's defense how it looks against k-state offense and will they give their offense short fields as well I, I do find it uh, I do find it humorous that the sky is falling in Manhattan, Kansas. Uh, they are like, you know, guys, we're just not very good. We got to figure this thing out. Like we're, you know, it's like we're, you know, I mean, there, there's a lot of woe is me and a lot of back against the wall and a lot of a chatter, which I, I chuckle at it a bit. I'm like, you won the Big 12 championship. You're three right. and two. The sky is not falling. You want to see hard they, times? They want to change quarterbacks. They're talk, they're talk, it's like, what are we talking about? What are we, what are we doing? No. I oh yeah, God. I mean, yeah. You want to see hard times? I'll show you some hard times because. Uh, yeah. and, and, and meanwhile, Kansas State's beaten Texas Tech eleven of twelve years. Okay, mm-hmm. so uh, if you don't think you're going to, you know, I mean, you're, you're going to get the best of Kansas State. They're, they're not bad. They, they do a lot of things well. Uh, maybe they are questioning themselves, and, and and maybe it's one of those things. That it's not about. Uh, you know, where you play them, sometimes it's about when you play people. And maybe you're catching Kansas State at a good time. Maybe it's at the worst time, you know, that you catch them. I don't know. Uh, but I, I think Kansas State, much like uh, TCU, you know, they had to they had to replace those four draft picks last year. 
and, and that doesn't even cl- include Malik Knowles. We knew Deuce Vaughn was going to be next to impossible to try to replace who he was and the juice and the toughness and all those things. But it's those three starters on defense that I think have really been tough. They had two on the back end and then one up front that the Chiefs took in the mm-hmm. first round. And, and like I said, Knowles has been a guy that he was their big play, play action guy that it felt like he'd been there for eight years. Um, and so it's all been left to Philip Brooks and uh, Ben Sennett, uh, who I think has done a good job. But yeah, yeah, when your quarterback, when your quarterback is dinged up, and again, no sympathy from the Texas Tech folks because we've been dealing with this for a decade. It seems like um, when your quarterback's dinged up, it makes it difficult, and when they don't play well, it makes it difficult. And uh, and I think Will Howard is still very capable. He just had a bad game, you know, and he threw it to the other team too much. Um, and it was a typical Mike Gundy game last Friday night. I mean, count him out, and then uh, he, he'll he'll show you why he's been in a bowl game for 17 years in a row. So count Oklahoma State out at your own risk. But I, the thing about Kansas State that always fascinates me, though, is that it's exclude the Ron Prince era. But with Bill Snyder and now Chris Kleiman, special teams are always like on point for the most part. Um, but I do think they've they've they're a developmental program. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that when you lose a couple of the, like some of those elite guys like they did that were drafted, I mean, the the corner was drafted in the second round, the defensive end was drafted in the first, and another safety drafted in the sixth, and then Deuce was drafted in the sixth. They they're gonna have programs like that are gonna have a harder time replacing those types of players than just your 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 normal programs because it's a developmental program. And you hear Chris, Chris Clement saying. Some of these guys are getting better. It's just going to take a little time, and at some point they'll be they'll, they'll you know churn out more uh, draft picks. But it's just uh, you're you're kind of hitting them in this growth growth stage, and, and you know the kid from Florida State, the big time running back, hasn't been what they uh, yeah. anybody thought either. Treshawn Ward, you know, so yeah. <clears throat> and Texas Tech's trying to replace Tyree Wilson, and but guess what? You know, maybe now Steve Linton's starting to scratch the surface on what he can be and all that stuff. So it's just kind of fascinating how the variables change as you, you go along here. But uh, I expect this to be a, a, a great game. I think it'll be very close. Uh, and, and I know Texas Tech is, you know, they know that this is a program that may be struggling right now, although this guy's not falling in Manhattan. I'm not buying it. Uh, but they also won the Big 12 championship last year, something that Texas Tech would love to have a chance to play for someday. Yeah, it's a huge spot. And it kind of reminds me of last year's Baylor game, you know, with this. It's a big moment in the season, right? You know, uh, Texas Tech was was playing well at that point, and they get Baylor coming in home and and didn't meet the moment. It's the same quarterback now playing. They met it, they met it last year, you know, last week rather, on the road, right? They met they met it on the road. All right. At home now, crowd behind you. You know, it's almost like a it's almost like when you're on the road, you, know, you feel like hey, a little bit less to lose, you know, you you know, play a bit more freely. At home now, everybody's there. You know, big crowd pressures on a little bit. Last time you played an environment like this at home, you were close against an Oregon, but you didn't you didn't cash in. Can they do it this week? Uh, I think that environment's going to be really interesting too. Yeah, no, I I, I, th- I think the 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 comparison to last year's game I think is a good one. But you know, there was the the whole Baylor and Joey thing was a thing last year. Mahomes was coming in. Uh, at right. the time last year, there, there was just a lot of chaos surrounding that game, and Barron was dinged up, um, and, and I think Baylor was a lot better than they are right now. And so, um, you know, and and it's but but I think there are some similarities in that kind of it builds to this crescendo, and you kind of get over the hump type game because 
I mean, two years ago, Kansas State came in here and you 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 pushed them around for a half and you had a three score lead, I think, and then it doesn't go your way and you you give it up and then they they make a coaching change here the next Monday morning. I mean, Matt Wells, that was the game two years ago right. here that, that ultimately kind of right. un, undid that that tenure and uh, Kirby Hokut made a change and that's why Joey McGuire's here. So I think it, yeah, just Kansas State's always tricky, man. It's just uh, a lot of respect for. For what they do, but yeah, you 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 if you're Texas Tech, you better play really really well because they've kind of had your number. All right, Chris, where can the people find you and your work and all of its variety? RedRaiderSports.com. Been publishing that since I think 2002, um, and then uh, locked on Texas Tech uh, with Casey Cowan, who's a longtime radio guy that I did radio with. Uh, worked the same place for about 15, 16 years, and uh, we started doing this last summer. So. You can follow us on that, doing those daily podcasts. And then, uh, you know, happy to join you anytime, Josh. Appreciate uh, the time. You do quality work. And uh, I, I enjoyed the, uh, the the ability to come share some some Red Raider knowledge with you. We always love it, Chris, and, and, and people love it when we have you on. So uh, we always appreciate your time, man. Thank you so Absolutely. much. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Appreciate it. Thanks, Josh.